Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. Good to be back with you once again. I'm Henrik. This is Red Ice TV. And today we have a great back, guest back on the show. Mark Collett is joining us today. Uh, kind of an impromptu show, really. Uh, I just asked him last minute uh, for him to come on. And he's with us today. We're going to uh, dive into a lot of topics related to the UK, of course. Uh, both what he's been through over the last year. It's been a rough year, I think, for most. 2020 has been... Uh, well, some incredible stuff has, has happened. So we'll talk about the lockdowns in the UK. Uh, they're, of course, one of the first countries rolling out the coronavirus vaccine as well from Pfizer BioNTech. Uh, we'll talk about that. Some of his activism with the Patriotic Alternative. Mark does, uh, you know, great work on that front. Uh, but again, just a shout out to everyone joining us today, whether you're tuning in live here on DLive or VK. We also go out, of course, uh, to our websites, redice.tv slash live, or you can watch it on redicemembers.com. Just check up at the menu and you have a live uh, stream uh, link right there as well so you can watch through the members website and as always a uh, special shout out to our members for joining us here today uh mark good to have you back sir how how are things good to uh, see you once again well it's great to be back thank you for inviting me on it's always nice to be able to spend a couple of hours with you and it's nice to end the year i i really like your uh christmas decorations it's looking very festive there oh, thank you and what a year <laughs> it's been i think this has to go down as possibly the craziest year that we've ever seen and what a marked change from four years ago I remember when I first started working with you back in 2016 and four years later there's a very very different feel in the movement there's a completely different vibe across the world and we're facing a very very different situation back then it seemed very very hopeful there seemed to be real change in the air something positive was happening, people were waking up, people were starting to vote for these right-wing populist movements. We had Brexit, we have Trump. And four years later, here tonight, we are locked down. We are not allowed to see our loved ones. We're not allowed to see our friends and family. We are seeing all of our rights being taken away at a very, very rapid pace. Trump has just been defrauded out of a massive election win and Brexit yeah. still hasn't been done. So four years on and a very different and possibly, um, how can I say it, possibly a less favorable political landscape. Yeah, I mean, it, the way I see it, I guess the best analogy I can make is that the empire has struck back, right? That They're striking back. And some of the advancements that we made, as you say, with nationalism uh, all over the West, in m many Western countries, right? There's been advancements and... and you know, with what we saw in uh, in the U.S. as well, with uh, the you know from the Dominion voting system and all that kind of stuff, I'm I'm beginning to wonder, have this been going on for some time, or, or you know some of the nationalist parties that they didn't perform better? You know, it was very close in France, in Sweden, they've been constantly kind of number three. You know, Sweden Democrats, you know, the nationalist party there in Holland, they almost you know won and stuff like that. I wonder, you know, I wouldn't put it past the globalist uh, <laughs> to do this kind of stuff. And I know not everyone has, uh, you know, the electronic voting systems and stuff like that, though. But in the in Sweden, for example, a um, lot of the uh, ballots that you go in and actually, you know, you choose a ballot on location. You can you can bring you one, uh, bring one as well from that you can receive in the mail and stuff like that. But you can go into location, get one there, which is the most common way. And in many locations in Sweden they have been simply thrown out and discarded by activists. You know, so this is, I think this is more commonplace than we think, Mark. I think this is very worrying because it either is more commonplace than we think, or it will become the norm. It's one or the other. Now, I think this happening with Donald Trump 
is a watershed moment because this isn't just some backwater election. This isn't some council election. It's not a one-off by-election. This is the election for the post of president. This is the American presidential election. And I still believe that the American president is the most powerful man on the planet. It is the most coveted post on the planet. He still has more power than any other leader. America is still ahead when it comes to the arms race. It's still ahead of China. It's still ahead of Russia. This is massive because to say that election was fiddled, to say that particular election was the subject of massive, decisive, fraudulent activity means every single election can then be subject to that fraud. Because if you're going to steal the biggest election, everything else from there on down is relatively easy to do. And I yeah. think that's a big, big message to the Republican Party in America. Now, I know mainstream Republicans do not support you. They do not support me. Um, and most of them don't actually support Donald Trump. But the fact is, if tomorrow you and I were gone, if tomorrow Trump was gone, the same people who have spent years and years and years deplatforming us, um, oppressing us, removing our right to freedom of speech, and doing the same to Donald Trump, and that's something we should talk about, the fact that this man, the most powerful man in the world, is now subject to these social media bans. That is also yeah, a yeah. complete scandal. But if we disappear, mainstream Republicans have to realize that this won't stop. They will be the next on the chopping block. Yeah. Because the thing with the left is their desire to defeat us is insatiable. And once they get rid, you know, it's always one person at one particular time. I remember when it was Andrew Anglin. We had to get Andrew Anglin off the internet. They had to stop the Daily Stormer. The Daily Stormer must be banned. It must not have a way to take payments. It must not have a domain name. No one must give it services, whether that be Cloudflare or hosting services. And this huge effort went into removing the Daily Stormer from the internet. But as soon as they achieved that goal, they then moved on and moved on and moved on. And we've seen that across all the social networks. We've seen that on YouTube. They were just going to remove one type of content. And then once that was gone, it was just another type and then another yeah. type and then another type. And eventually, if they've done this or if they get away with this, with the presidential election, it will be exactly the same there. They'll do it with the presidential election. And then every time a mainstream Republican stands against one of their darling candidates. So every time a white male stands, a white male Republican stands against one of their darling progressive candidates, that will be it. He will be um, assured a loss simply because they can control the outcome. Yeah. And this is very, very worrying. And it should be something that mainstream Republicans are very much trying to stop. But this is the thing with these conservatives. I remember when I was on Twitter, I remember railing against this and some um, complete conservative. I would love to find the tweet now. I'd love to actually read the, the original tweet out. He said, this is exactly the kind of thing that Republicans should be rejecting. You know, it'll make us all look crazy. It'll put people off. The fact is we should start building for 2024 now. And these people are so willing to throw away any advances they've made, not to please their own supporters, but to please their enemies. And that's why yeah. they always yeah. lose. And 
I know it's not completely over with the presidential election. I know there are still a couple of glimmers of hope, but I'm not holding my breath on this one. No. And I know no. you said the empire has the empire strikes back, but I have to make it very clear. I did support the Empire in Star Wars, and I completely <laughs> no, I, I, disavow the multiracial. The, the the Jedi, yeah, the Jedi. Well, we did the first, the first three movies, which are well, what is it, Episode Four, Five, and Six? I forget what the order, how it came out now, but I mean, that was I could take the Jedi kind of that. There was some cringe aspects, but but it was, of course, you know, framed in a better way. As the series went on, I was like. You know what? This the first order here doesn't sound so bad now, does it? You know, it's funny. Tables have turned, but that's what Hollywood does. They they do that kind of uh, they do that switch on you, right? They, they remember for for a while our, our storytelling within at least the European context was very well. It was very black and white. It was like here's the hero, here's the enemy, and you defeat. You know, you slay the dragon. You do this, but then in later years you have this new kind of. You know, well, maybe you should emotionally identify with the bad. Maybe the bad guy isn't the bad guy. Maybe the bad guy is just misunderstood, and, and that's how they get you. But uh, no, uh, to 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 make that point though, it's the 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 powerful people um, that we've spent so much time talking about it because we're, we're of course exposing all of the things that they are doing to us and their plans and what they want to. Uh, do with us this, this I take all the way from the replacement agenda that they have had running now for decades and decades to. Uh, the lockdown agenda to kind of the great reset and really taking control of, uh, you know, economy and stuff like that. Uh, overwhelm the system at the same time you crash small businesses and stuff like that. You consolidate power and all this stuff. They have, I think they've, they realized definitely after the 2016 election too that they just they just can't let information, f you know, flow in the kind of way that it did. It was just too dangerous for them to allow to do this. So the crackdown has come. Uh, in a, just an, in an incredible way. And as you said, the corridor has now shrunk more and more and more. And so we begun, as you said, with topics that, well, seemingly most people were like, well, I'd, of course, those those are the bad people. We can we can get rid of those. That's okay, kind of thing. But then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now you can't talk about the coronavirus vaccine. Now you can't talk about election fraud. Now you can't, you know, everything is offensive or everything is is hate. I saw some article recently I think it was even on Reclaim the Net, which I'm showing here, which was they, they put even the conservative ink now they're putting on these lists where they're, they're calling it hate baiting. I'll see if I can find it here later. Soon enough, Mark, it will be one voice, one mind, one way, a completely homogenized uh, you know, attitude that is the only current that, that you have to flow within. And if you come up against the, the, the sides of the, you know, the little playpen that they've allocated for us, uh, there will be no space for us whatsoever. Dissent is going to be squashed, I think, 2020 and moving forward. What do you think? I think it will be. And it's very, very interesting how this happened. Because all of these platforms, like YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, they were all set up very much from the view, especially YouTube, that they were about the small guy. It was all about giving the voice to the small guy and building organic support so if you said something or you produced something or you did something that people liked people would follow you they would share your work you would grow organically and the little guy would build his platform the little guy could comment on news as it happened in a short sharp burst on twitter the little guy could list his business on facebook and go up against the big guys if people liked 
his product more. And on YouTube, you could produce your content. And if people like that content, it would regularly outdo content produced by mainstream or wealthier or bigger outlets. When I say bigger, obviously not bigger on YouTube, but bigger in the real world, uh, bigger in terms of, say, TV audience. And we've seen that on YouTube in terms of just take, for example, my show. When my show was on YouTube, it used to go up against Ash Sakar's show from The Guardian. And every week we had about three or four times more people watching my show than Ash Sakar and The Guardian had watching their show. Now, this was a problem for YouTube because YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, they set this level playing field where there was going to be this battle of ideologies, the battle of the minds, the battle of sort of normies, members of my family, people I know in the real world say, oh, somebody uh, shared one of your videos on my timeline. And now that doesn't happen anymore. Right. Yeah. Because they set up this or they set up these open platforms where everyone could compete fairly and the result wasn't the result they wanted. We were winning. So now these open platforms are no longer open. They're no longer fair. There is no longer competition and we are sidelined. But the most galling thing about this is the fact we built, in some cases, those platforms. Now, I was talking about this on another show. I remember, can you remember Moldy Locks? Oh, sure. She got punched in the face by, I forget his name. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, boy. Nathan, Nathan, Nathan Domingo? That's right, that's right, yeah. yeah. Nathan Domingo delivered this wonderful blow and punched her in the face. And she thoroughly deserved it. She was going there to um, attack people. And she started throwing punches and she, she got what was coming to her. She had a sharp and object in her hand, by the way, too, I think. Yeah. No, not sure it was a knife, was, but it was something like it. Anyway, go on. Yeah. When this happened and you typed this into YouTube, you typed in moldy locks or Antifa girl gets punched. I remember the top stories at the top of the news feed were the ones that had been viewed the most. And they were all commentary and jokes and satirical pieces by people on our side of the political fence. Yeah. I remember doing a video myself. It was early on in my uh, sort of YouTube career, if you want to call it that. And it got about 10,000 views almost overnight, which for me was a, a big number back then. And it was up there in the list of um, videos to watch on that topic. And much lower down, there was CNN, there was a Guardian, there was the mainstream news because people weren't watching them on that platform. Now, the other week, I went and I was looking for some footage of a woman having a meltdown over Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying because there was a number of leftists who had complete meltdowns over this. And I was looking for some clips to illustrate something. And when I typed in Ruth Bader Ginsburg meltdown on YouTube, not a single video of the meltdown came up. All it was was obituary, CNN, The Times, uh, The Sun, The Daily Mail. It was all of these mainstream news outlets and their little tributes to her. And all of the kind of news that would have been there four years ago was gone. So what does that tell you? Firstly, all of the people who were making the news and all of the things people wanted to actually watch on the platform are now gone. Yeah, yeah. And the platform is no longer free. It is no longer open. It is simply dominated by everything that is on Sky, everything that's on uh, 
terrestrial television, normal broadcast television that people went to YouTube to get away from. So yeah. the platform now is not what the platform was intended to be. And the platform hasn't just betrayed the content creators, but it's also betrayed the people who were watching that platform and buying into it and using it. And the real galling thing about this, whether they want to accept it or not, we built that platform. That's right. YouTube yep. didn't build YouTube, but the little guy yeah. built YouTube. Red Ice built YouTube. Mark Collett built YouTube. Laura Towler built YouTube. People like us built YouTube. I remember there was a guy, um, I think his name was Konig's Tiger, and he was a guy who re-uploaded um, Stormfront Radio, Dr. David Duke's show, Dr. Patrick Slattery's show, multiple shows on YouTube. And his videos would get thousands and thousands of views. He had tens of thousands of subscribers. All of a sudden, his channel went. Well, tens and tens of thousands of people were coming to YouTube, building that platform, generating them ad revenue, and helping them grow based on that content. And YouTube have not just spat in his face. They've not just spat in your face. They're not just spat in my face. But they've spat in their own users' faces. It's absolutely despicable. If I wanted to watch mainstream crap, I'd buy a TV license and start watching the TV. Yeah. I didn't, so I was watching YouTube. And these platforms have betrayed the very ideals that they were founded upon. And then now, in four years, almost completely unrecognizable. And it's not, and this is the key thing, it isn't just politics. It's not just us. It's not just racial nationalism. Everyone knows I like uh, playing computer games. I collect computer games. I've always been interested in it since I was uh, seven or eight years old. And when I went to YouTube initially, it was always the little guy. And the little guy was giving honest reviews. Now, if you go to GameSpot, if you go to IGN, if you go to these big sites, they're always shill reviews. They're yeah, all sponsored bullshit. Yeah, payola. They tell you that Watch Dogs Legion and its anti-white narrative is a wonderful <laughs> bug-free game that tells it yeah. like it is. It's trash. Yeah. It's absolute stinking trash. But you go on YouTube... And the little guy, just like we were the little guys in politics, would be saying, don't buy this game. It's trash. But the same's happened to them. The guys who tell the truth about games, yeah. no. their reviews don't show up in the searches anymore. I saw a guy post a review for Cyberpunk 2077 the other day, and he wasn't saying it was a terrible game. He was just listing the amount of bugs, the amount of crashes, and the problems he'd had with the game. Now, YouTube don't want that on their platform. Because CD Projekt Red spend millions of pounds a year advertising on their platform. So that review now disappears. And all that's at the top of the reviews is the GameSpot review, the IGN review, the mainstream reviews that tow the line. So it's not just us. It's every type of reporting, whether it be racial nationalism, whether it be gaming, whether it be issues of science, whether it be issues of vaccinations. I mean, I'm not a flat earther, but I'm happy for flat earthers to have their section of YouTube Why where not? they talk about their big spinning space pizza. Right. But they're gone now too. I, exactly. I know. I mean, it's it's like I mean, this you and you, you nail it perfectly. And this, these are points I've argued too. That the, the the small guys built it. They're the, through their hard work. They brought the audiences. 
and you went to these platforms to see things that you'd never see on TV, right? And that was so, was so great about it. And the algorithm in itself produced this, like, uh, well, I mean, it was, to make the analogy, down the rabbit hole. You could look up any topic and you could just, like, spiral for days into the weirdest stuff or, like, you know, fun stuff about UFOs or weird, you know, whatever, like, you, you wanted to find out that was, like, off the mainstream, you know, kind of a plantation or whatever you want to call it. And that's what was so fun about it. And, and remember, though, that was one of the things that came up when they started attacking YouTube. You know, talk about the mainstream media and the establishment and stuff like that before YouTube kind of was, you know, completely in their pockets and doing everything they said. It was a big problem that people could go on and find things that they were interested in and then they were fed more of the same. And so ironically, what they did at the time was to then call for something in opposition to those things. Like if you've, okay, if you've looked at two videos that, you know, is is pro-flat earth, then let's say, you got to get a video that's that's anti-flat earth. But now all it's become is then the 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 anti-perspective, if you will, or, or, or the counter-perspective. But that's fine. They can jam that down our throats. You can't even find search results, as you say, anymore on videos that, that you can have the exact title for it. And Fox News, ABC News, CNN, all these mainstream platforms that kind of the pseudo alternative, uh, you know, mainstream uh, outlets as well. They come out on top. Luckily, though, Mark, they are ruining themselves and there are alternatives. We Life without YouTube is possible. When we were banned back in was it now November? Was it November 29? October 2019. Obviously, I was worried. I was like, are we going to survive? Or, or how is this going to go? You know, we rely obviously on the views and stuff. And uh, and sure, granted, some of the videos we got, we got, you know, hundreds of thousands of views on, especially the ones that Lana made, the shorter videos that we produced that were kind of well, very well condensed and, and you know, animated and stuff like that. Some of them were up in the millions, you know, kind of even. And, and so do we get the same uh, breakthrough as of right now on on the bit shoots, on the libraries and stuff. No, not currently. But I think that we'll get back to that again. It, it feels to me, Mark, I want to get your take on this, but, and I know there's recently some controversy with BitChute, and we can't can get into that too, but combined with all these new newcomers that are popping up, and I include DLive in that too, it feels like in the early days of YouTube when, like, you could still, you know, post almost what you wanted, you can find things. There are some improvements, of course, that has to has to be made on on the bit shoots and some of the other platforms, especially when it comes to the algorithm. Because if the bit shoots of this world could get an algorithm that YouTube had back in, you know, 2009, 10, 11, something like that, when it was more honest and actually get, you know gave you correct feedback of what you wanted to watch, uh, I think bit shoot is going to be phenomenal. Uh, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. I think of the mass censorship. The the corporate world is going their way. And there are still alternatives. There are. And I like the alternatives. I love them. And you might have noticed I still have my YouTube. I don't know how long I've got it for. I don't have my Twitter, which is here, is enraging enough. But I don't stream very often on YouTube. And when I do stream, I stream now different types of content on that platform. I use DLive for my main streaming. I also work with Sven Longshanks of RadioAlbion.com. And the other night on DLive, or last night in fact, we had 1,800 people at the peak watching the show on DLive. We had about 1,000 people watching the video player on RadioAlbion.com, <clears throat> and we had about 500 people listening to the audio track on Radio Albion because there's an audio and video option. So this is all being done without YouTube. That's over 3,000 live viewers in one place. And then there's some on Entropy. So that's well over 3,000 live viewers watching the show on a Wednesday night for two hours without YouTube's involvement. Now, 
people might say, well, why aren't you using YouTube? Are you cooking? Are you scared that they'll ban you? Are you desperately trying to cling on to your channel? No, no. I think a lot of the time it is better to jump rather than be pushed. It is better to take your destiny in your own hands and go your own way before you're forced to. Because what I've seen happen on YouTube there's a lot of channels in their desperation to stay on there and carry on streaming. They stop having certain guests on. They stop talking about certain things. Their channel becomes more and more milk toast. Eventually, it becomes this pale shadow of what it once was. And I didn't want to become that. I didn't want to stop talking about race, ethnicity, about uh, certain historical occurrences. I didn't want to not name certain ethnic groups that do things to our people that they shouldn't be doing. So I jumped. I jumped and I embraced these alternative platforms. Now, one thing that did hit me hard was losing Twitter. And that totally came out the blue for me because they just absolutely wiped me off there. They didn't listen to my appeal. They still haven't given me an email. Right. Months later or a month later, still haven't had an email. Now, obviously, losing 60,000 followers, losing an account that was getting between 10 and 12 million views every month is annoying. Yeah. It is annoying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But... You can't get upset about this. You can't be a baby. You can't be somebody who sits and curls up in a ball and cries yourself to sleep because you've lost a social media account. Because you've got to remember that these social media companies are our enemies. We are playing on our enemies' platforms. And because we're playing on our enemies' platforms, we are always on borrowed time. And when they do push you off, you have to just say, thanks for the memories, did the best I could, now I'm going elsewhere. People who want to catch up with me can catch up with me. I mainly post on Telegram. I'm also on Gab. I'm also on Parler, although I'm a bit suspicious of Parler, as a lot of people are. I have yeah. some very weird numbers on there that don't quite add up as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, let's see how it plays out. I'm on all of these platforms. But you've got to go out there and find these alternatives. You have to make them work for you. And I know that some people are going to say, oh, but BitChute doesn't work as well as YouTube and DLive, it's not a smoother platform when it comes to streaming as YouTube. Well, YouTube wasn't always as wonderful in terms of technology as it is today. I remember early YouTube. Some people out there will remember this guy. I remember watching the angry video game nerd when he uploaded his first <laughs> videos and he was something new and fresh. And those videos were they were a little bit grainy. They weren't in a widescreen aspect ratio. And YouTube often had low-res videos. And it, was, it wasn't perfect. Platforms evolve. But the only way a platform evolves is if you support that platform. If people support it, if they buy in, if they donate, if they go there, if they watch content, if they promote that content, if they send it out. If you want myself if you want um, Henrik, if you want Laura, if you want other content producers, uh, Jason, No White Gill, the guys at TRS, if you want all these wonderful people, Emily Yukis, if you want all these wonderful people to keep producing content and for it, keep, for it to carry on being seen by the masses, you need to support the platforms it's on. And remember, I said something very important earlier that might have, some people might have um, 
not noticed. I said we built those platforms, and we did. We built YouTube. We built Twitter. We were the ones whose videos were trending. We were the ones that were winning that battle because people wanted to listen to us. People were coming to those platforms to watch our videos. I remember when I saw the first one of my videos that went over a million views. I was overwhelmed. Look, I'm a guy working from a PC in a small office with a blue Yeti mic, a headset, and stringing videos together in Windows Movie Maker. I <laughs> don't have uh, I don't have a six-figure budget every time I produce a video or a six-figure monthly budget. I'm doing this on a shoestring, and I'm getting million viewed videos on a platform. Yeah, it's and incredible. Dripping the BBC and CNN. Yep. Well, if I can do it on YouTube. I can do it on BitChute. I just need people on BitChute building that platform. And if we continue using platforms like YouTube, do it carefully. People will have seen we're rolling out new things. I do a bit of Sunday night gaming with different nationalists where we chat about old games, we chat a bit of politics, we have a bit of banter, a bit of a laugh. It's not to everyone's taste but it's not going to get kicked off the platform. It's going to keep my YouTube ticking over while my content, my hardcore deep political content is on DLive, it's on BitChute, it's on other platforms. That's what we need to do. And we need to keep feeding people to these growing new platforms. We need to support them. We need to get behind them. We've done it once before, but this time we're doing it for ourselves. Last time we built a platform for Google. Last time we built a platform for the globalists, for these corporate entities that are now cracking down on us. This time we're building independent platforms that aren't just hosting content of the small guys, but they're run by the small guys. And I am absolutely confident we can do that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's uh, magnificent to have these options and stuff like that. And, and there are many regards, of course, they do it on shoestring budgets, of course, compared to the Googles and stuff. Massive injection of finances in there. In some cases, uh, people have argued the <clears throat> the inception point of Google. There is some evidence that there was CIA money early on. And maybe that, you know, to go back to that point you mentioned earlier, that with the GOP, you know, they... You know, sometimes you see whether it's, you know, in Congress or so one of these hearings or something when they when they drag Zuckerberg or, uh, uh, you know, Jack Dorsey in front of, uh, you know, a, a hearing and stuff like that. There's a lot of theater there. Uh, th there's a lot of, you know, talking and there are some good people. Even Ted Cruz have, have, you know, kind of pushed some of these people in a good way. And I'm glad to see that. But my reasoning is the reason why nothing happens, why nothing moves is because there is a deep tie between uh, these major big tech platforms and the government itself, or intelligence, if you will, right? They're using each other. They're helping each other. There's cooperation between... I, I focus on a lady, I think it was yesterday's show. She was uh, an ex-DARPA, uh, the, the ex-head of DARPA, which is a defense advanced research agency uh, out of the U.S., and she, you know, these types of individuals, they, they do this, you know, swing door, uh, you know... Uh, where they go into Google and then they go back into DARPA and then they go to Facebook and stuff like that. So there are these links and ties between them and that might be why we're not seeing anything. They're not meant to lose Section 230 and they're not meant to be, you know, uh, uh, dis yeah, well, ruined in the set or broken up, I should say. You know, that some you'd think that at least um, some of these companies, especially Google, that have gobbled up so many of their competitors over the last, you know, decade that they would there would be some kind of antitrust suit or something like that, but frankly, I don't have much hope in it. I have hope in alt tech, and that's where I'm putting 
you know, the, the trust. And I think at this point we have the BitChutes, of course, but even DLive, uh, Rumble at least claims that they are a free speech platform. They seem Rumble kind of seems like the parlor of the video sphere, you know, and I and I do have some question marks about parlor. It, it remains to be seen whether they will stand up for free speech and, and stuff like that. And there's a lot of people who have question marks about it. Uh, and, and some of those uh, questions are legitimate as well. But there's, you know, a lot of options. Library is popping up. Rumble is working on uh, live streaming now, which is great. And so is BitChute, I hear. They've been doing that for some time. And you just don't roll this out overnight, obviously. But once this happens, um, the, the audiences will pour into these alternatives. And they will go there. Uh, you know, my complaint, you know, a couple year or so ago was that people, it's it's up to the viewers, right? You gotta leave, you you gotta you know, off go off of those platforms, go onto the alternatives, support people there and stuff like that. And uh, it, it feels like the last year, maybe because YouTube has just been so incredible when it comes to the censorship and and, and kind of strangling its own algorithm, that people have kind of forced, I guess, in a way, Mark, to to go over there if they want to see interesting things anymore, right? They are, and there's a lot of people who, I speak to people who haven't gone to the alternative platforms yet. I speak to normies occasionally, they say, oh, Mark, I, I went on your YouTube, you're you're not doing your show anymore, you're not doing your regular videos. I say, yeah, yeah, I'm on I'm on BitChute, yeah, I'm, I'm on DLive, and they don't know these places, and, and that's understandable, because we have to popularise these places, and we are the trendsetters. By being the first on these platforms, we are building them. And if you look at what's going on on DLive, the biggest streamed content on DLive is all alternative content producers. It's Nick Fuentes, it's Red Ice, it's uh, Owen Benjamin. They're the biggest uh, producers on this on this platform. Ethan Ralph and the Killstream. Those are the shows that bring in the huge numbers. So we are the trendsetters, but. The people watching these shows, the people enjoying these shows, the people who want to help us out, many of them are very, very generous when it comes to financial contributions. And I, I'm absolutely thankful from the bottom of my heart for every financial contribution I receive. They allow me to keep doing this. They allow me to be in this privileged position of being able to serve this community. But if you can't contribute financially, you can contribute in other ways. Doing something as small as sharing one of my popular videos or something that I've done that resonates with people. If you go on my bit shoot, one of my most popular videos was my expose on the Jewish role in the porn industry. Now, on YouTube, that was huge. That had been seen by hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. I regularly saw that being shared around on sites like Twitter, on Facebook. Now, obviously, that video isn't available anymore for obvious reasons on YouTube, but it is on BitChute. And the video hasn't diminished in its quality. It has less, it has fewer views over on BitChute. But if you like that video, if you like other videos, if those videos helped you, go and dig them out for my back catalogue. Share them. Share them on Twitter. Share them on Facebook. Email them out to your friends. Make sure that people know where to find their old videos. Because I don't know if you've had this problem, and I'm sure you have because I have. There used to be videos that I enjoyed watching. There used to be videos that I would watch, I would put in playlists, and then I'd go back to that playlist uh, a month or so later, and you would see a load of blank spaces. This video has yeah, been deleted, yeah. this video has been removed, this Incredible. video has been removed. And I do want to know where those videos are. Sometimes I think, oh, where can I find those videos? Are they 
are they on BitChute? Are they on a library? Where, where can they be located? But if you have one of those videos that was one of my videos, if one of the videos in one of your playlists was one of my videos that has been taken down and it was important to you or if it helped you in some way, please go and find it on BitChute and let other people know where they can find it. And it's that networking, it's, it's helping your favorite content creators. And to you, it's a couple of minutes of your time, it's a couple of clicks, but to us, it means a great deal, but it also means a great deal to these new platforms because hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people watched that video on the Jewish role in pornography. And I'm sure many of those people remember that video, liked it, it had an overwhelming like to dislike ratio, something like 98%. Those many of those people would want to go back and watch it again, like I used to watch my favorite videos. And if they don't know where to find it, they won't watch it again. But you can help them find it. Yeah. You yeah. can help share the best videos by myself and other fantastic content creators. And that will not only help us, it will not only spread a fantastic message of truth, but it will also help the new platforms that those videos are located on. And remember, it might sound far-fetched to imagine BitChute being the same as YouTube, but YouTube was once tiny. YouTube built itself up as a video sharing platform and it defeated other video sharing platforms, but it built itself up because people shared the content on that platform and we can do it again. It is important that we do it because I always talk about the importance of real world um, interactions, real world organizations. I talk about the importance of meeting people. But the fact of the matter is, with everything that's gone on this year, those real world meetings, organizing in the real world is so much more difficult to do. Yeah, And yeah. we do still need the online sphere and we do ne still need this massive repository of knowledge that we've built up over the past four, five, six years. No, absolutely. Very good points. Uh, and there's a lot of, uh, despite, of course, a very dark time overall w with the censorship and stuff like that, too, there are some things to um, uh, to be you know encouraged about. I just saw this, which is kind of interesting, too, because another issue involved in this, too, and I believe you mentioned earlier, uh, is, of course, uh, payment processor, uh, credit card processing online, if you do have like we do, you know, we run Red Ice uh, as a as a business. It's an independent, you know, enterprise. We are an alternative platform and all that stuff. But we have a member section. We rely on people, you know, joining in over there and stuff like that. And we have been, I'm not sure what is going on exactly, but somehow we have been blacklisted high, high up inside of the financial services industry. There's uh, lists that we have ended up on. So people, we approach a new processor, for example, and they see our name and they drop us like a hot potato. Someone have spread the word high up. It could be a clearinghouse. It could be the Wells Fargo ban that we had. And I know you were banned. We could talk about that later by a bank in the UK as well. HC, HSBC, I think it was. And uh, yes, yeah, so we were banned from Wells Fargo. Not only the business account, but, the, but our personal accounts and stuff like that. And... And so we're looking and scrambling to find options, to find alternatives, and we just shut down and and we find one way, uh, you know, one new processor that works for maybe a couple of months, and then they cut us off, and then they drop us and stuff like that. And it's, of course, incredibly frustrating because at some point you think there would be some kind of right, there would be some entity or some government agency where you could improve, approach and say, 
okay, so so there's someone, a group or something. Yeah, I think I have my suspicions, right, of of who we're talking about, who's doing this, what what group and whatnot, what organization. Uh, it's probably the SPLCs, the ADLs, or something similar, right, out there. And uh, they're approaching uh, the different uh, processors and uh, and clearinghouses and stuff like that, and they tell lies about it. They tell us we're neo Nazis. They tell us they tell them that we have we spread hate. Uh, that we encourage violence and all manner of of, of bullshit strawman arguments that they make, right? But then you realize there's no there's no uh, leeway. You can, there's no one to approach and talk about. Okay, well, you heard that from them. Can I at least have my say? Can I at least fight back against some of the accusations that's come? I don't even know what the exact accusations are, right? It could be just which I suspect complete and utter lies. Right. Anyway, so I, I just saw, which is very frustrating. But anyway, I just saw this, which is interesting. Uh, not sure we'll go anywhere, but proposed use regulation would prevent financial services blacklisting for non-financial reasons. Again, there's been a lot of things, a lot of proposed regulation that never come anywhere. But it at least signals an awareness of these kinds of things, Mark. And, and but it also proves, I think, a bigger picture to this is that we have enemies out there that are so afraid of us that they will go to this length of shutting down and terminating contract between two, two, two different partners and potentially risk a uh, torturous in, in, uh, interference lawsuit eventually. Because I think when they continue with this enough, eventually there will be either enough uh, people that this has happened to or a big enough player that they're going after and then a lawsuit or something will be initiated. I think this is short-term they're going to succeed. I think it will be very difficult for some of us uh, to to advance forward and stuff like that. But long term, Mark, I do, I do not think that this strategy that they've in, incorporated will work. With with the help of audiences out there, we can still continue. We can persevere. We can push through. We'll find alternatives. We'll find some way of doing it and and remaining and keeping going. Uh, but long term, uh, I just I, I don't see that the, it's throughout history. It's never worked to silence the opposition and just put the lid on. What, what do you think, Mark? Well, I think the important thing is one little word you mentioned there, and that is hate. And the issue with this is none of these bans are actually built on anything solid. Now, if people were saying so-and-so or person X has been banned because they explicitly... Uh, endorsed violence or terrorism, that would be one thing. To explicitly endorse um, violence or terrorism, that would be um, a major, major thing. Now, in the UK, we have laws that absolutely prohibit the encouragement of violence or the open encouragement of violence against other people so if you say go and kill person x you're in big trouble if you say go and attack people from this particular group you are in big trouble and that can be very easily defined and it can be easily proved one way or another as to whether you have said or done that that is very clear cut it is black and white the problem is the word hate and hate is this big gray area and what our enemies have been very good at doing is creating these gray areas, creating these uh, phrases using certain words which don't have clear definitions. So now, if you say something like, you know what, I'm not too sure, as a dad, Mark Collett isn't too sure whether this man 
dressed as a woman who says he identifies as a woman should be allowed in the same changing room as my little girl because he's got a penis and he's wearing a wig and he looks super creepy and I don't want him anywhere near my little girl, let alone getting undressed in the swimming pool and shaking his bits in front of her. That ain't happening. I don't think that should happen. I want my daughter kept away from people like that because I think they have a deviant mindset or they're mentally ill. Now, that is a valid opinion. I'm not saying to anyone that they should go and lynch this man. I'm not saying to anyone that he should have harm done to him. But I'm saying I don't want my daughter in the same changing room as him. Right. But under their very grey umbrella of hate, ah, well, that is a very hate-filled thing to say. That might cause hate against him. That might cause people to dislike him. That might cause people to look at him differently. Oh, people might approach him differently if they listen to that kind of language. And all of a sudden, you're banned. But you're not banned through anything concrete. And one of the biggest problems that we have had is that all of these rules brought in by social networking companies Not one of them has been set in stone. And YouTube have to be the worst for this because not only didn't they set their rules in stone, but they also said, even if you stay within all of our rules, but regularly move to the outer edges of the rules, you'll be kicked off. Borderline content, right? They call it. That's like saying, we're going to play a game of football, mate. And if you kick the ball over the line, The ball will be passed to me for a throw-in because the lines are there to keep the ball in play. That's a fair rule, yeah? Yeah. But if I turned around to you and then said, but Henrik, if you dribble the ball up the line by the side of the line, but don't cross the line, but it's quite close to the line for a reasonable amount of time, I'm just going to walk over and pick the ball up and declare it a throw-in anyway because I'm sick of you being too close to that line. That is ridiculous. And that kind of nonsense is the kind of nonsense we're having to deal with. So if you stay within all their rules, but you are too close to the edge of the rules, you're gone anyway. So what's the point in even drawing the line? There's no point having a line. This is absolutely ridiculous. But they do it all under this grey umbrella of hate. And obviously the media lap this up. Oh, isn't it fantastic that... Social media is now clamping down on hate. What? What does that even mean? It doesn't ever get defined. And this is the key thing. When you're working within actual legal parameters, when you're working in a courtroom, there are stringent definitions. Definitions are argued, they're settled upon, they are then stuck to, and people have to adhere to the definitions set. But all of these people who are controlling the incomes and the content of hundreds of thousands or millions of content creators have never once set any guidelines in stone or in any kind of legal framework that can actually be studied. And I've had videos removed and I've written to YouTube. Not because I like smashing my head against a brick wall, but just as an exercise, as an exercise to repeat on shows like this. I write to them and say, thank you for informing me about this. However, this is not hate speech. I have not threatened violence. I have not endorsed terrorism. I have not called for any form of illegal activity. Could you please tell me 
what part of could you please tell me why this video has been taken down they send me a copy paste response i reply to that and say thank you but i've already read that on your website can you please tell me what part of the video is actually breaching your rules can you tell me the words the sentences the phrases the sections of the video yeah no they send you back the copy paste yep, response. Nope. It, you write it, back to them again can you please tell me as the platform holder what i could change in this video to make it suitable for your platform yeah they send you back the copy paste response and you can do this again and again but the point of this is glaringly obvious to anyone with a high double digit iq it's very very obvious they are not defining anything because they can't define anything and what they are doing is crafting rules that allow themselves to ban anyone from their platform without proper without without any proper procedure without any transparency and without any recourse because there is never a way to properly appeal any any decisions taken by youtube facebook or twitter there is no proper process you never get to find out who reported you you never ever get to find out who made accusations you never get to find the name of the person who looked over and made the looked over your content and made the decision yeah. and you never find out why that decision was made how it was made or what parts of your content they felt stepped over the mark so based on what I've just said, there is absolutely no way to safely produce content on their platforms. And then you get to the other problem that there are people on their platforms, people like Stephen Crowder, and I'm not sure whether Stephen Crowder is actually trying to speed their agenda or whether he's being caught up in it and it's hurting him because he did certain things which were obviously going to bring in new sort of rules and bring the hammer down on everybody else yeah right. now he and others in the mainstream sort of conservative because generally people on our side of the fence don't get involved in mudslinging competitions people like you and i we're not involved in mad back and forths and silly mockeries of different people. But when Steven Crowder kept making those videos about the um, homosexual Latino guy, that then almost oh, yeah. gave YouTube the excuse to bring in another huge raft of legislation and rules. Yeah. And then we're facing not just the hate speech, but this other great gray area that is called harassment. Well, what is harassment? Well, is harassment making a video about somebody criticizing something they've said? Is harassment making a video about somebody disagreeing with their political opinion? Again, that is YouTube's decision to make. And the same applies with harassment to what we said with hate. Yeah. And at that point, you are fighting a battle you can never possibly win. And the only way this will ever be overturned is if, A, and this didn't happen, somebody like Donald Trump decides to pass um, a law or bring them to book 
because they have political power, or B, somebody who, who is very, very wealthy, who has a vested interest, gets deplatformed, and almost has a bottomless pit of money to see them in the courts. Yeah, yeah. That's the only way it'll change. And unfortunately, you and I, we probably aren't going to be part of that process because I'm not saying we're tiny content creators. I'm not sort of putting us down, but I think I speak for both of us when I can say we definitely don't have bottomless pits no, of money no, 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 or presidential not. power. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, but again, that's why I think eventually they will cross that, uh, just as you say, they will cross that line. Unless, of course, just the simple solution is everybody just leave. Now, again, when you talk about the financial services sector, this is a different thing, right? This is... Uh, now it impacts your not just your ability to uh, to to speak and have your opinion out there or or the right you know to get access to someone's platform or something like that, but your very uh, your ability to make a living, your ability to pay bills by using a bank account. I mean, this is when it goes into like super dodgy territory, and it reminded me of like I think wasn't it like the Magna Carta, right? The English common law. The, the, there was part of this. I'm showing the confrontation clause on the screen here, but the Sixth Amendment, for example. And I'm bringing this in because when you start going after people's finances and shutting down their ability to like make a living, then you're in criminal territory as far as I'm concerned. It's not just a, a platform that you're on and utilizing online, but there used to be, within, within most of Western society, there used to be a clause, when, and many, many of us fought hard for that. They, you know, our ancestors died to, to get even to that point, right? Of have the right to face your accuser. Of, of knowing who's making these accusations and then counter, you know, file or claim or, or do something that you fire back and you have a right um, to present your case. But again, all of this, Mark, is being done with, the, you know, my, my private company right now. Oh, they can do anything they want. And just because you signed on, you know, the, a, a shitty terms of service agreement that basically says, well, we can just terminate you for whatever reason and we don't have to give you an excuse. We don't have to tell you anything if we don't like you, basically, we can do it. So so they've gotten away with it. They can legally kind of do it. Uh, but again, I have this sneaking suspicion that the more this keeps up and the more extreme this behavior gets, and as they expand the censorship, right, where, as you said, where, when now even the the Crowders, the, the Ben Shapiros, the Breitbarts, the uh, Daily Caller gets, you know, kind of roped into this too. I showed this one. Uh, where is it here? Yeah, report Facebook list, Breitbart, Fox News, President Trump even, Ben Shapiro in an internal hate bait dashboard. We, we know where this is going, right? It's basically, well, it isn't really hate, speaking to the point that you mentioned, but it it's it's baiting people in the comments to say things which we don't like, and therefore they're responsible kind of thing, right? So I, I don't think they, can, they can't stop. They don't know when to stop, and if they've successfully kicked off some of their opposition from their platforms they will just expand it and keep going. And eventually, I think that that will cross the line where it kind of reach, reaches maybe the the GOP, the main line somehow. Will will something finally be done about it? I don't know, obviously. Uh, but, it, but you know, part of me is kind of like, yeah, let's just crash and burn this thing. Just like ban everybody. <laughs> and then maybe at that point, something will be made. Uh, some some uh, progress will be made on this front. Well, that's a very important point. And it's something I've thought about. I've spoke to a lot of different content creators and people have said to me, things won't really change until all of the biggest content creators have been kicked off the platform. Then things start to change. And you've seen this actually, a lot of this has been driven, a lot of the growth of BitChute has been driven by people like Sticks, 
Now, Sticks was the first BitChute channel to go over 100,000 subscribers. Now, I like the guy. He's not everybody's cup of tea, but he has done a lot of hard work to drive people to that platform. Yeah, yeah. And that is something that is very, very good. And sometimes you have to burn the whole house down. Sometimes that's the only way. And I think I agree with you that that has to happen. And it's very interesting. You mentioned the bank account. Obviously, myself and Laura Towler, we both had bank accounts closed down. I had a business account closed down. Insane. Laura had a personal account Insane. closed down. Yeah, it's... But wow. that bothers me. It does bother me. And I've got to say this to your audience, to you. When it happens, when you <laughs> find out one of your accounts has been locked and you can't mm. access your money, they won't tell you why, you're panicking, it feels like somebody has walked up to you and i don't know how many of your audience have been in fights when they were younger but i always remember one of the worst things in a fight was not getting hit in the head but getting winded yeah if somebody struck you in the gut at the wrong angle and yeah. it knocked the wind out of you and you were just doubled up and you're and you're just gasping for air yeah that's one of the worst feelings that can happen to you and when you get that notification when you're in a shop and you try to use your card when you try to buy something on ebay or and it says your card's being blocked and you ring the bank and they say not only is your card being blocked but we can't tell you why we're not going to tell you why and it could be months until we have to tell you why yeah, yeah. and at that point it feels like a a, a massive gut punch yeah. it is a horrible horrible feeling yeah but that's not the worst thing that can happen to you and the problem here is a precedent that is being set. If banks can say to you, Henrik, you are not using our bank to store your hate dollars. <laughs> if a bank can legally say that to you, what is the difference between a bank saying you can't use our infrastructure and our services because we don't agree with what you're doing with them. Yeah. And an electricity company or a phone company or a broadband provider. Yeah. What's to stop British gas? What's to stop this stream dying now? And my part of the screen going blank and me thinking what the hell's happened and trying to find the fuse box only to find that British or whoever my service, I don't even know who my service provider is, but let's say it's British gas. Don't say who it is. British, <laughs> you know, let's say I've been cut off today yeah. by my service provider because they've said, look, Mark, you use our electricity to spread to your, your hate, computer, <laughs> to run your lights in your office, to yeah. run your microphone, to charge your phone. And we, we don't agree like with what it. you do with your computer yeah. and microphone and phone. Yep. What's to stop my phone provider saying, well, we don't like the conversation we... you're having, you know, over our exactly. network. Yeah. Yeah. Your broadband provider. There is nothing to stop other companies doing it. No. And if you think it's bad dealing with a bank who won't give you your money for a month, well, it is bad. It's a real pain in the bum. And I didn't like it. It didn't feel good. Laura didn't like it. But we endured. But I don't think that's as bad as 
waking up one morning and none of your lights turning on or waking up and your central heating not working or waking up and your phone being dead and no other provider being willing to sell you a SIM card. Right, yeah. These things yep. would literally reduce you to sort of the state of being a medieval peasant. You yeah, would being, be... Uh... A leper yeah. of, of, you know, the current <laughs> age or whatever. An outcast, you know? Exactly. And and all of this, all of this is a very real concern. Yeah. Because and I know that some people say, oh, Mark, you're, you're overdoing this. You're overplaying it. They'll never do that. People have said they'll never do that about many things that are now happening. Yeah. And if you said to people a decade ago, in Christmas 2020, there'll be a nasty case of flu that if you're under the age of 60 and you've got no underlying health conditions, you'd be as likely dying in a car accident as you would from that nasty case of the flu. But the government will use that nasty case of flu to ban you from leaving your house on Christmas Day if you're to mix with more than two households. People would have said, nah, mate, you're pulling our leg. This is a mad conspiracy theory. No, this is life in 2020. Yeah. And I can assure you of one thing. Before this is all done, before this is all settled, before we have taken back our lands, before we have purged the traitors from government, before we take our destiny back in our own hands, things are going to get a lot crazier. This is just the beginning of the craziness. The ride is going to get a lot, lot bumpier before it levels out and before we see greener pastures. And we have to prepare ourselves for all of this. Now, I'm not saying you need to build a bunker in your garden and start learning how to use, um, how to heat your house with coal or wood or anything <clears throat> like that. I'm not saying you have to do anything wacky. But I am saying take precautions and realize that these people, they aren't just political opponents as the media shows political opponents. When you see Labour, when you see the Tories, when they when seats change hands, they shake hands. They have a drink together afterwards, yeah, almost yeah. like it's a football match, as if it's, you know, inconsequential. It doesn't really matter who won. They don't treat us that way. We will not be treated in that way. They will do anything within their power to stamp us out with extreme prejudice. And because of that, we will face hardship. We will face struggle. But I can guarantee one thing. Facing hardship and facing struggle is nothing to nothing compared to the indignity of losing your people and becoming yeah. second class citizens Absolutely. in your own homeland. Yep. Completely this, right. This struggle is worth it. Yeah. And I remember reading a book um, or part of a book a long time ago, and it was about a young man who was sat in a tractor shed on the Eastern Front, and he was writing a letter to his mother. And he was writing a letter to his mother to tell her that he would never return home and that he wanted her to be proud of him and the sacrifice that him and his friends made. And as he was writing this letter, he noted in the letter that his friends were busy counting out the last 
box of ammunition. They were breaking open the last box of ammunition and they were separating the rounds and they were distributing them amongst themselves because this was their last stand. They knew they were going to die in a foreign land, in a freezing tundra somewhere, in a tractor shed. That was going to be their end. But they did so with pride, with dignity, with their heads held high because they love their people and they love their country. Yeah. And whatever happens to me with bank accounts, whatever happens to me in terms of YouTube deplatforming me or Twitter kicking me off without an explanation, I'm not Sorry. sat in a tractor shed somewhere freezing with my last 10 bullets clutched in my fingers waiting to die. Yeah. So it could be a lot worse. And we have to remember that yeah. our ancestors yeah. went through far worse protecting these lands. And we at the moment are still in a rather comfortable position. Being doxxed isn't nice. Losing your bank account isn't nice. Losing your Twitter account isn't nice. But we are not facing death at this current time. We will still enjoy a relatively um, warm and cozy Christmas. So there's no need to despair, but there is a need to redouble our efforts. And there is a need to remain strong, keep our eyes on the goal and never, ever get dispirited. When these platforms or when our enemies or when the establishment finds a new way to bring us down or oppress us, we have to dig deep. Yeah. And we have to always remember that in our veins runs the blood of the greatest people to ever walk the earth. And that Western, that European ingenuity is within us all. And we just have to use that to find new and ingenious ways to fight back and organize and do what we do. Because what we are fighting for is the most noble and important cause to ever be fought for by any European man or woman. Well said. I, I completely agree, Mark. And uh, before we continue, and I want to ask you a little bit, we're going to get kind of shift gears a bit and talk a little bit about the coronavirus. And we've kind of briefly uh, brought it up. Let me do a couple of these D lives here real quick. And I do appreciate it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, everyone joining us, of course, live on uh, D live or VK through our websites and stuff like that, too. We're talking with Mark to call out here. Obviously, some, uh, some great conversation about censorship and things like that. Uh, but let me t let me do these real quick here. Lord Aragon with a diamond says, "Hail Mark, um, three boo a seven with a diamond, uh, no message. Thank you, sir." Daredevil's advocate uh, also diamond, no message. Same from Futhark. Double dog with a ninja guinea. Always a good week when I don't have to deal with any Cadbury egg hoarders or orange juice criminals. Well, there you go. Thank you, Double Dog, for the ninja guinea. Appreciate that. Millennial Honky with a uh, also Ninja Guinea hand rubbing intensifies. Thank you, sir. Conrad Curse with a diamond. I salute uh, our guest and Henrik. Good work, you too. Thank you, sir. Always good to see you, Conrad. Thank you. Uh, Michael fifty seven is here as well with a diamond. Hail Henrik and Mark, champions of our folk. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, Roar with a diamond says soon they'll uh, run deep fakes as political candidates. Yeah, I mean if you talk about Biden, that's kind of what they're doing already, basically. <laughs> um, DB Cooper. Uh, Diamond, thank you. No message. Celebrate all is lost with a ninja guinea. Thank you, sir. Good to see you here as always. Thank you for the support. Uh, and uh, Celebrate says, support Red Ice, patriotic alternative. Mark's, Mark's book is excellent. We'll talk some more about that a little bit later, of course. Um, 
373373 with the diamond. Thank you. And again, from the same account with the Ninjagini, get, uh, get get to work. I think it's maybe a good word. Get to work, Red Ice and Mark. Uh, hope you all keep fighting for freedom. Absolutely, sir. Thank you so much for the Ninjagini. Uh, Moody, Moody Sig with the diamond is asking you a question there, Mark. Uh, is Mark on library? I don't think I am. I think I need to be, and I've got to upload my library to library. The only problem with my library and uploading it to library is the amount of videos I have and the amount of annotations and graphics, etc. It would be a Herculean task. I think I need to be, I think I need to sit down and do that. It's something that has to be done. So I've got to get, I've got to get to grips with that. Yes, that will be happening in the new year. Now, let me put this word in here too that if you do have youtube still you can sync on the back end kind of like what bitchu did for a while too so at least those videos you can sync to library then it would be a matter i guess of maybe manually uploading the ones that are exclusive to bitchute or something like that but that will that will help you a long part of the way i would assume right so that would be excellent and then check out the front end too some people like it better there actually isn't any difference but it's called odyssey um, odyse.com and it's basically the kind of a little bit slightly more graphical uh, enjoyable interface the front end of library so when you upload to library they also show up on odyssey and everyone who has a library channel has a channel there too and for some reason i've noticed that more people seem to go there and they subscribe on odyssey as opposed to library not sure what that's about but that's a, as a good tip as well uh, all right let me continue here uh, robin of sherwood with the diamond thank you no message fred uh, Fr fredo FredoNet, I think it is, with the diamond. Um, you seen BF, boyfriend, maybe? You seen boyfriend in law of Governor Kemp blowing up his car. Was this the, um, was this the traffic accident that happened? Um, this is like a week ago or something, and I might be confusing it, but there was someone, uh, if I remember correctly, I think it was, wasn't it a daughter's boyfriend or something like that that was in a massive car crash? I mean, it, the car was like burning on fire on the side of the road. It looks like it had been hit by like a missile or something. It was the craziest stuff. Um, not sure what happened there, but if that's what you're referring to, I did see that. Now, if this is something different, um, I have not. I got to look into that. But yeah, there's some there's some strange things like that have happened, especially around Georgia with all the election fraud and you know some of the people that they've roped into that stuff too. China seems to have their um, you know hands around a lot of these politicians in in Georgia. Uh, Vulture Man with the diamond, thank you. Actually, one, two, three, four, uh, five in a row. Thank you, Vulture Man. Appreciate that. Uh, Whitey is mighty with the diamond. Says, feels like sharing videos on uh, feels like sharing videos only alienates people. Really, does it? Uh, you got to share the right ones. That's the key, right? You got to you get you got to know what to share. That's what I would say. Uh, Drops of sense with the diamond says, hate speech can mean not embracing insanity. Yeah, that uh, you got it. Uh, anything that goes against the norm. Uh, Flying Dutchman with a uh, with a smoking ninjet. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Very kind. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, very generous of you. Flying Dutchman says, virtual reality alone doesn't win the day. Hats off to Mark for creating a professional uh, in real life operation, actively monitoring the needle on the ground. And we'll talk more about that later too. But the, uh, thank you, Flying Dutchman. Really appreciate that. Uh, I'll definitely want to talk more about Patriotic Alternative. They've advanced uh, a great deal in their activism and expanded, you know, their members network and stuff like that over the last year. And we haven't had Mark back to talk about that. So that's one important thing. Uh, one in uh, Ninja Kini rather from uh, Chris clones uh, says, Merry Christmas is the address on the red eye site in Harrisonburg, the best place to send uh, 
cash in card. Yes, sir. That's the PO box right there for you. That will be changing uh, a little bit later here, but there's still time. Uh, so any uh, PO box address that's underneath the, the uh, any video, this, the description, the latest few videos on, on in the description on RedEyes.tv, that's, that's the right one. Thank you, sir. Uh, appreciate the support, and, and thank you to everyone sending stuff to our PO box. It's very generous and kind of you guys. Uh, Futhark with a diamond. Thank you. Uh, Tapio with a diamond as well. No message. Skills of the gun with a diamond says, do you think we'll be able to salvage the USA? Uh, well, that's a deeper question. I guess I can extend that to you as well, Mark. We can have a little bit of a discussion around that. I think with what we've seen with this massive election fraud and basically what looks like the majority at least of the of the Trump supporters, those who voted for Trump, have some kind of sneaking suspicion that the that the election was not um, was not fair in any capacity. We have a lot of questions around this. They they haven't even looked at the evidence, right? The Supreme Court dismissed it. The very Supreme Courts of the different states where this was raised refused to look at it. Uh, they came to this from this perspective. Well, given that the vote was um, uh, that that this was a fair election, why should we uh, you know upend anything? We're we're not going to dismiss all these millions of people who voted for Biden. That would be unethical of us to do. It's like, well, that's not the argument. The argument is look at the evidence that's there. But I think in this in the extension in the extension mark, the the wounds that have been created from the distrust in the U.S. right now, I, I think are are basically beyond beyond healing. I, I think that the country will basically split in two. It already is, in a way, split in two. These sides are never going to join. They're never going to unite like Biden is saying that they're, you know, he claims they're going to try to do. And I think the most likely future, this is, you know, still maybe a couple of decades out or one decade or so. I think that there will be some states that kind of declare um, secession in some capacity and you'll see a split. What, what do you think, uh, Mark, about that? Well, I think the first thing we've got to note is Trump had four years in power to get things set up for 2020. He had four years to basically bring social media under his control, to put a leash on social media companies. He had four years to put a leash on the mainstream media. And he had four years to get a grip of postal voting, absentee voting, and the electoral system in America to ensure that this kind of fraud didn't take place. He also had three Supreme Court appointees. And he didn't do anything. Unfortunately, he failed. He was very good as a campaigner. He was very good as somebody who was talking what normal people talk about in their daily lives and giving normal people the strength and the power and the energy to talk about immigration and ethnicity and race in public. He was good at all of those things. He was not good as a president. And unfortunately, many of the decisions he failed to make as a president have come back and bitten him on the bottom right now and the supreme court um, appointees that he made have all been complete failures i mean if you look at amy coney barrett you look at her family how would anyone have faith in some mad liberal nut job who has her white children living with two adopted black children she's obviously not somebody who would be attracted to Trump as a leader or 
be at home amongst his support base, but he appointed her anyway. And now we are seeing the effects of those decisions or his inaction. And the effects of this is that he looks increasingly unlikely to be able to overturn this fraud. And to be very clear, the expert on this from a nationalist perspective is Dr. Patrick Slattery. If you want to know the ins and outs of this, get him on your show. He is superb at this. He's also um, an expert when it comes to American political history. And he can cite um, he can cite precedent where fraudulent elections have been overturned, the way it can be overturned, what has to happen, how it can happen, how people can keep pushing back against it, even if Biden's sworn in. However, when we look at this as nationalists, when we look at these situations, when we look at these developments, we've got to always think that there are negatives and there are positives. And we can't go too far down the line of just looking at the negatives. I know a lot of no, people are no, disappointed that Biden has won. I know a lot of people are disappointed that a Biden victory could bring in major restrictions on free speech, major restrictions on firearm ownership, and a massive ramping up of anti-white rhetoric from the government and the establishment. All of those things will happen under Biden. But one of the things that Trump was very, very good at, and we should always thank him for, was the fact that he made people distrust the media, the fact he made people aware of the deep state, and the fact he has polarized society. Now, when I was campaigning door to door for the British National Party, trying to explain to people on estates in Britain that there was a huge media and establishment conspiracy to keep nationalists out, and there was a shadowy group behind the scenes pulling all the strings that were present in the government in um, local councils and in the media was nearly impossible. People would look at you as if you'd fallen off the moon, if you're a madman. They did, just didn't want anything to do with you when you started talking like that. Now, that kind of rhetoric is discussed on a daily basis by normal people all over the world, largely thanks to President Trump. Yeah. Largely yeah. thanks to the fact he undermined the media. Fantastic. He... Um, exposed the deep state, fantastic, and he has made it so we will never come back together with those who we are opposed to. And that needed to happen. One of the big problems that we have always faced is there's always been this, oh, well, it's only politics. We can come back together over the football. We can come back together over discussing the results of Strictly Come Dancing or some other you know, bread and circus nonsense. And look, we're all, ultimately, it's only politics. Well, Trump has proved it's not only politics. This is a war for our survival. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that there is some 25, 30% of the American public who now look at the entire American system as corrupt, as bent, as anti-white, and as basically fraudulent. And when you have around a quarter to a third of the American public looking at the president as an imposter, as a fraudster, as someone who is only there because of cheating, that is something that will create a lasting rift amongst the American people. And that rift is something that is a good thing. We can never come 
together with anti-whites. We can never come together with Marxists. We can never come together with those degenerates who hate our people, with Antifa, with those who want to see us reduced to minorities in our ancestral homelands. And the fact that Trump has made it so we it has deepened this divide and made it so that the public cannot come back together with one another. That is a good thing. So yes, there are negatives to what has happened at this presidential election. I'm not saying there isn't, there is. Right, right. Uh, these negatives are huge. But as political analysts, as strategists, as people who aren't Republicans or conservatives, but as people who are nationalists, we have to take positives from this. We have to go to the public and say, yes, there was fraud. We have to go to the public and say, yes, he has been cheated. We have to go to the public and say, yes, the media, social media, the Supreme Court, the deep state, they're all in on it. And we have to build the rhetoric of us and them. It is us and them. It is the all the aforementioned anti-whites plus Antifa plus people who are on who are embedded in the biden camp it is them against the majority of normal decent white people and selling that to people 10 15 years ago on the door on estates in britain was very difficult thanks to president trump selling that today to people is a lot easier so we should thank him for that and we should be using what we can from this election to our advantage and we should ensure we should ensure that this polarization is taken to its logical conclusion yeah good point very good point um all right let me do a couple more of these here and then we'll continue uh skills of the gun again uh, who had that last uh, good question there uh, also sent one to three diamonds after that. Thank you, sir. Master Cylinder with a diamond. No message. Michael again with the diamond says Vince Red Elephant says Skoda's denied for uh, denied for uh, for fear. I guess out of fear. Yeah, I mean there are uh, you know claims that um, either they're directly threatened some of these people or they they have subtly been threatened. I mean nothing is of that. That's the difference too, Mark. And 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 that kind of underlines that point. Nothing is off the table. These people want us gone. They want us eradicated. They want uh, our, our no more generations of, of our people to be. If they could choose, you know, they would just get rid of us in an instant, right? If they had the power to do that. That's why, as you said, this is not just, you know, oh, it's just an election or just politics or anything like that. They, this is a, is a fight for our survival. This is an existential battle that we're involved in right here. And, and although I've seen arguments you know kind of from the liberal media i think that this they, they intentionally do this to kind of spread misinformation weaved into it as well but many of them have said like well Tr trump created this right he he just showed up in 26 2015 ran for an election started with all this rhetoric that divided the country and and all of a sudden this came this came out of nowhere but then you realize these people have undermining us for decades, right? They have they've tried to replace us. They have tried done everything they could to sell us out, whether it's to to the Chinese, if you're talking about the 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 Democrats, the liberals, or whether it's we talk about the GOP to Israel, you know, whatever the foreign policy and all that stuff. Like foreign interests inside of our countries, the West is on decline, and the big organizations like the World Economic Forum and the UN they're rejoicing in this. They think this is a great thing. They think they're going to bring in. A great reset with the aid of this coronavirus, uh, you know, the bullshit, the, the the lockdowns, at least how how they have used it, you know, and so these people, 
Um, they they uh, they're going for a juggler to to take us out one time and and, and for all. But then you, they can't pretend that all of a sudden, because someone showed up that had a little bit of harsh rhetoric like Trump did, that this, that this is an assault. <laughs> and this came from nowhere whatsoever, which is just ludicrous. But I think that that's part of the kind of the, the gay op, if you will, of, of, of trying to gaslight us into thinking that, oh, we, we, our side, if you will, kind of just initiated this and this came, up, came out of nowhere. nowhere. That's not the truth. The truth is this has been going on for decades. But now, Mark, it's becoming patently obvious to to even people who are not even remotely politically interested that they're beginning to see the consequences of this war in their own lives in one way or another which is ultimately as you underlined it's a good thing because that's where we have to go it is a good thing and i think what trump has done and this is very very important these people haven't had massive pushback for a long time. They haven't had organized pushback all over the world since probably before the Second World War. And all of a sudden, Trump and Brexit both happen within a very short period of time. Um, in that short period of time, you also see uh, Marine Le Pen take something like 35% of the vote in France and come second in a presidential election. And you can see that people are fighting back. You can see people are sick of things. And this is because really our enemies have accelerated their plan far too quickly. Now, we often talk about boiling the frog. That analogy is often wheeled out, but it is true. Now, at one point, the number of migrants coming in was obviously something to be worried about. It was obviously something that people were rightly concerned about. But I think it's true to say that post 2007, especially in the UK, the stream of migrants coming in has increased to such a flood that even people who denied there could be any problem in the past are now saying this is a problem. And Trump and Brexit are manifestations of the increase in immigration, the increase in degeneracy, the increase in this crazy cultural Marxism that is being foisted upon the West. And they have now seen that the results of their actions can be a massive organized fight back against them. They would go on YouTube and they would they would look and say and see who people are talking about. They would look at our channels and say, who's actually getting the blame for this? There are millions of people out there now who are very, very unhappy with what's going on. And there are commentators on YouTube, Twitter and Facebook. Who are they blaming for this? Who are they pointing the finger at? And then and when they saw who we were pointing the finger at, then they got really worried. And Knowing what they know, knowing that more people are waking up, knowing that there is an increase in polarization in our society, I believe over the next decade, they won't slow down what they're doing, but they will speed it up even more because they're panicking. And the only way they see uh, for, for them moving forward is to accelerate things as quickly as possible to get rid of us as quickly as possible. They are going to put their foot down 
immigration is going to increase, degeneracy is going to increase, and they're going to throw everything at us. Because this is a pivotal time. This is the do or die moment. They know that, we know that, and they're going to go all out to ensure that we are a minority and that we have so much debased and degenerate material thrown at us that we're not just a minority, but we are completely ruined as a people. This is now the end game. We are reaching the final conflict between us and them. But Trump showed something very important. Marine Le Pen showed this, Brexit showed this. Our people are noticing, and there are millions of people all over the Western world waking up and talking about issues they never talked about. Yeah. And what yeah. does this mean for us? Well, it means that if there is ever a time for us to redouble our efforts, get involved, speak to more people, start putting out leaflets, start going door to door, start attending real world events, it is now. And I believe that everything I've said just now makes a lot of sense. But not only does it make a lot of sense, but in light of what I've just said, these COVID restrictions make a lot of sense because they realize that we are fighting back. They realize there is a popular surge of support for nationalism. And these COVID restrictions have prevented us organizing They've prevented us going out and doing things. They've taken a lot of the um, steam out of the Trump election campaign. And all of this has allowed them to continue doing things like bringing in um, thousands and thousands of immigrants into Britain, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of immigrants into Britain. But it has stopped any protest. It has stopped any organization. It has stopped political meeting. It has caused elections to be postponed. I think they know that we are growing. They know our support is growing. They fear that. And part of the COVID agenda is preventing us organizing and fighting back at this crucial time. Yeah, exactly. Very, very well put. Uh, I believe you're correct on that. That's the one thing I want to return to. We'll talk a bit about the lockdowns and then we'll move on and talk a little bit more about patriotic alternative as well. Uh, and I realize here Michael had a follow up diamond there to his comment uh, where he basically said that, uh, yeah, Vince says code is denied for fear of riots. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Uh, and I think the threats aspect is real, too, by the way, because we've seen that what's what seems to be the case in Georgia, that that weird uh, car crash that we saw. There's there's questions there for sure. And then there's veiled kind of threats that's been made towards people. And, you know, people have supposedly received death threats if they don't do the right thing and stuff like that. This is kind of where things are developing. But yeah, riots is a, is a different, you know, a different ball game altogether. But again, you you can't, you know, oh, for the good of the nation, uh, let's just keep going with this fraud and not hear over 70 million people's valid concerns. If, if Joe Biden had a, an actual, if he was sincere when he's saying we're going to unite the country, I should almost play a clip here in a little bit, too, because it's so uh, it's like a perfect, um, uh, you know, we, with the way he frames it, I'll pull up in a moment. But if he was honest about that, and if the Democrats overall were honest about that, they would not fear an investigation. And not just a recount, because recounting the fraudulent votes is not what people are talking about. We're talking about actually an audit of the machines. Don't swipe them. Actually look at what happened. Investigate some of these claims. Sworn affidavits. Uh, affidavits are, are These are used in, in courts of law all the time to build cases and stuff like that. It doesn't mean it's true, but it means that, that gives you the reason why it should be investigated. 
But the very fact that they're so fearful of this, Mark, but still continue to push. It was the most fair. It was the most clean election in U.S. history, they try to tell us, you know. And Biden got more votes than any other candidate in U.S. history. And he couldn't even, you know, drive five people to his uh, to his uh, uh, campaign rallies, uh, you know, just a few months ago. I mean, it's so the fraud is so blatant, so in your face that it's almost people would almost deny it just on the basis that it would be too too much to do and too obvious. That, that's how I view this at this point. Well, I think when you look at cases like this, the difference between a conspiracy and a conspiracy theory is overwhelming evidence. And it's also that common sense can be applied. And when common sense is applied and it leads to the only um, logical conclusion being that there is a conspiracy to defraud the American people of their rightful elected president. The evidence in this case, as you say, I remember watching these rallies and I remember watching the Trump ones and they were packed. You saw these giant arenas and people were queuing for hours to get in. Now, you've seen these uh, concerts that you have boy bands playing at and you have these sort of teenage girls and they queue for hours and hours and hours out in the cold and the rain. And some of them arrive a day early with a tent to make sure they get the best spot in the arena and they can see the uh, boy band so close because they're up on stage. And that kind of energy is almost the kind of energy you see at a Trump rally. People will queue for hours and hours and hours. They will get there a day early and put a tent up. They want to be at the front with a chance of touching Donald Trump. They want to be able to look him in the eye. They want him to look them in the eye. They want to be noticed by him. And that is the kind of energy that very few men have and it's something that you don't see in politics anymore and i spoke to somebody who has been to a number of these trump events it's actually dr patrick slattery and he said that he went to some of these events and the queues were so long and people had been waiting for the best part of an uh, of a day really the best part of a, a day and they got turned away because there were so many people and people had waited for so long and some people had turned up the day before and camped out that hundreds if not thousands of people were missing the chance to go in. This is how packed those rallies were. Yet on the other hand, you look at these Biden events and you've got this doddering old fool who can't string a sentence together, stuttering, stammering, basically, stringing words into something that approximates the sentence but makes no sense and can't really just be deciphered and he's speaking to six or seven people and of those six or seven people five or six of them are his campaign team his staff (laughs) they're his staff you've got one or two people there and that's not a joke i've seen him actually walk into a so-called rally And it's an outdoor Mm. event, and there was a handful of people, and most of them were people that were all part of his team. It was pitiful. Yet we are to believe that the man that had these mega rallies that looked like a boy band concert with 
tens of thousands of screaming fans, people queuing all day at night, camping out the day before to make sure they get their spot. We're to believe that that man was beaten fair and square by this doddering, sort of partially mentally dead buffoon who struggles to make a coherent sentence and couldn't get a dozen people at his rallies. And it's just a matter of applying common sense. This isn't a matter of basically producing a two-hour in-depth documentary with facts, with figures, with interviews with experts. You don't need to go into that much depth to prove this fraud. All you need to do, this is exactly what I mean, all you need to do is compare this footage and you see exactly what we're talking about. This has got to be the most blatant electoral fraud in the history of the world. And if this was happening in some fly-blown African Republic, every Western nation would be calling for UN sanctions. If there was some African dictator who only had his paid staff, the military and the police at his rallies, and there was a, a challenger who had tens and tens of thousands of normal people supporting him, filling football stadiums and cheering his name, and the guy with the support in the football stadiums lost, <laughs> the UN would be sending inspectors. And Dude. no one's talking about this. No one's talking. I've seen this article. Have you this seen? I mean, it's incredible. Like, you know, back in 2016, for those who don't know, it's how to spot the telltale signs of vote rigging, right? And it's <laughs> it's like six points or something like that. BBC, and they're they're looking. I forget which African nation. It was uh, uh, Gabon. Gabon, I think it is Gabon. Um, and basically, as they go through the article. All the telltale signs of election fraud is what we basically saw in the Biden-Trump election. But now they're talking about some, you know, an, an obscure kind of African country that we don't know much about and stuff like that. So I even saw people, some some people posted this like on their Facebook and stuff, and this was censored because they made the connection to the U.S. Uh, U.S. election. It, it's it's laughable. It's a it's a big joke. <laughs> it's like, but they can't. This is my point again. The fact that they're trying to pull this off will never, and maybe that's not the point, right? Maybe there's bigger agendas here, but they, it will never bring the country back together because the other side will, oh, will, no matter what happens, the other side will know that the other side is illegitimate, right? Let's assume that Trump pulls, you know, Trump card out of something out of the hat and somehow he causes the, uh, you know, the, the a difference in the there are constitutional paths still, uh, despite it being very narrow now, but. You know, each state can get one vote as opposed to the electoral college votes and stuff like that. I don't think that's going to happen, but let's assume that he does. Half of America will be there will be riots. People will die. I think they will just. I mean, they will never end the violence and the and the upheaval. If you thought 2016 was bad, this is insane. Now, what's happening if if they move ahead with Biden as kind of the the Biden regime or whatever you want to call it regime? The, all those Trump people and Trump supporters and conservatives, they will know that it's illegitimate and they will never uh, accept Biden as their president. So no matter what happens, uh, the other side will not accept it, right? 
that's the important thing. It's not just us who won't accept Biden. It's Biden and his people who won't accept Trump. Both sides won't accept each other. There will be no coming together. And we can't accept them because what they want is not only the opposite of what we want, but it actually represents our ethnic destruction the destruction of our children, the brainwashing of our people, and in many cases, complete and utter degeneracy being foisted upon us, not only as a norm, but as something we should look up to and worship as a virtue. And when you look at that, you have to say, we cannot shake hands with these people. We cannot work with these people. We cannot form some kind of accord with them. We cannot find a middle ground. There can be no compromise because now it really is us or them. It's what we want or it's what they want. And if they get what they want, we cease to exist. It's very simple. It's very clear. I'm making it very clear, but they've also made it very clear. I've been very, very open, very honest, very straight down the line. And I've always been like that throughout my entire time in politics. But the enemy haven't always been like that. The enemy have often been the opposite of that. They have often tried to sell their politics in a way that could be described as disingenuous. Essentially, their politics has always been sold with a torrent of lies. And those lies have sold something to people of European descent, which will ultimately bring about their end. But as I am being very honest this evening, our enemies over the past few years have increased their honesty. They have started speaking very openly. They have started saying they are outbreeding us. They have started saying there is a great replacement. They have started saying we must prepare to become an aging population that is a minority. And that is why we need more migrants. They have started telling us very openly and very honestly what will happen to us. We must heed the voices of nationalists but we must also heed the voices of our enemies because they are no longer veiling their plans. They are being very, very forthright about what the future holds. This is not something we can choose to ignore. We must act today because if we don't, they are telling us there will not be a tomorrow. Yeah, well put, uh, Mark. Um, let me do a couple of more of these here um, as we proceed. Uh, we're going to wrap up in a little bit here, but I want to keep Mark for a little bit longer. Ask him about a couple of more things here. Uh, skills of the guns. Ask <clears throat> how can our movement defend against things like Q? <laughs> I wouldn't worry too much about th that aspect. Uh, I, I think actually, I think. You're not, the, the plan, Henry. You're, not, you're not trusting the plan, You're not trusting anymore. I, I, at the end of the, I think things like Q, in a way, although yes, it de, you know it kind of de, um, makes people kind of docile in a way. Then they were they like, yeah, as you said, just trust the plan or whatever. But I still think it's a net positive over the fact that they they at least question things. They at least uh, and even w when they get banned. That's a big wake-up call. A lot of, uh, you know, the Q crowd was banned recently from YouTube and Facebook. They did, like, swooping bannings of, of, all, the, uh, of all the Q people. 
and and although I'm not uh, and I don't I don't even know what all the facets are. It's it's, a, it's kind of a decentralized movement. I wouldn't hinge too much. Uh, anybody can come in and say, "Oh, this is this is Q now," you know, kind of thing. Um, so it's very it's very hard to to kind of pin it down. But but at the end of the day, if these are people that are willing to kind of look at the stab, they're seeing the establishment as like a uh, you know a demonic force almost. They're seeing that these people are you know uh, sex child traffickers. You know they're they're pedophiles and stuff and not that that there's a lot of truth to, to that you know actually i mean look at the old stuff that came out with epstein and stuff like that actually I had a breaking story i think it was from earlier today john luke brunell uh was finally arrested too one of the guys who are uh purportedly provided epstein with a lot of the young uh underage girls and 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 over you know uh the the you know women as well from his modeling agency and stuff like that all that's come out you know, Q exposed. You know, the Q people are you know exposed to a lot of that stuff, and they're into that kind of material. Ultimately, I think you can work with that people. Someone has an open mind is easier to work with than someone who has a completely closed mind and, and their mind is kind of made up. So anyway, uh, I don't think uh, skills there that the the Q is 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 too problematic. Although it's not you know the path that I would go to, go down to to solve anything obviously either. Uh, let me do a couple more of these here. Cornered space alien with a diamond. Anything U.S. secession can learn from Brexit? Yeah, so. Give us a, a, sh a short on that Brexit. Is it what's the date? January? That there's it's expected to basically just happen, right? Or, or there could be a uh, a collapse after that point regarding the negotiations that it will go through anyway. What, what is going on with Brexit? Well, what is going on with Brexit? Indeed, that's a good question, and the answer is quite short. So far, nothing. We've had four years of four years of talk and nothing's happened. They've used every tactic in the book to delay it, delay it, delay it, delay it. And the other day, um, it got to the point where Boris Johnson was saying, prepare yourself for a no deal Brexit. Prepare yourself for a no deal Brexit. Brexit's happening with a deal or without a deal. We are leaving. And then... He backpedals that. Well, we could extend talks. I'm sure we'll find a deal. We need to get back around the table. We don't want to worry people. And it's all just bluster. I don't think we are ever going to get a proper Brexit. I wouldn't be surprised if during all of this um, COVID lockdown, all of this, uh, all these restrictions on our freedoms, if they didn't do some last minute about turn, I'm not holding my breath on it. I said from the very beginning with Brexit, leave would win, but they would never let it go through in the way that people who wanted to leave envisaged their victory playing out. And yeah. that is exactly what's happened. Theresa May, David Cameron, both of them did everything they could to actually stop Brexit happening, even though they both pledged to make it happen. And Boris Johnson, despite him being someone that the people believed in, people thought he was going to get a grip of both mass immigration and Brexit, he has failed on both. Why? Because Boris Johnson is a multiculturalist and he is a globalist. And the problem with Boris Johnson, and this has to be, we can't underestimate this. The problem with Boris Johnson is if he did bring about a Brexit of sorts, because he is such a multiculturalist and a globalist, he might end up ushering us into something that was worse than the European Union. It wasn't long that he it wasn't long after he was elected as prime minister that he was running all over africa saying that 
Brexit would be a wonderful thing for British relationships with African nations and how Brexit would actually help more Africans come to Britain. So there could be a real nasty sting in the tail here. Now, does that mean I would have voted differently when it came to Brexit? No, because I think Brexit for me, it wasn't about us leaving the EU. I never actually believed they'd let us leave the EU. I knew that Britain yeah, would never yeah. be free at the end. For some people, it was the end game. For me, it was just a stepping stone towards something greater. It was the first first part of a series of awakenings that would eventually bring about something better. And it yeah. played its part. But nobody who is a serious nationalist should be sat there with their fingers crossed and their breath held, waiting for some wonderful Brexit and some brave new world where Britain will go back to the 1950s because we voted leave in 2016. Yeah. That is not happening. Yeah, it's uh, it's a shame. So yeah, things I've read a lot about like the different the fisheries. There's a lot of controversy how things are going to move forward and stuff like that. It seems like such a mess. And of course, as you said, I think they're making it more complicated in some aspects than it have to be. And the EU has kind of been clear about this that they basically want to punish Britain and making sure that it's much worse, uh, you know, to go through this and be outside of it than than actually still be part of it. Um, let me do a couple of these here real quick. Virginian Drifter with the diamond says, on a roll lately, Henrik. Highly relevant work. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. And thank you for the support, Virginian. Gunder with the diamond says, don't teach uh, to not um, don't teach to not give an inch. Take yards back. There you go. Uh, Bluton Biden with the Ninja Guinea. Thank you for that, sir. Says, Mark Dice has turned off comments on his bitchute videos. What should I make of that? Now, I turned them off for a while. I, I, I actually enabled them back on again. I think it's for the same reason. There's just so much like, you know, agitators and, and feds and glow in the darks and stuff that he just becomes unmanageable after a while. And um, as we said in the beginning, Mark, that they really should just give us an ability to at least moderate the channels. It's OK with critical. It's not that. But when it's just like, you know, over and over and over and over again, it was like whether there's like, you know, you're Jewish or, you know, whatever it is, or images being posted with like people, you know, us with noses on it. And like, it's just the same thing over and over again. It's like, all right, this is just, but you know, this is just dumb and he just takes up right space. But again, I think I'm convinced that it's being done to dissuade any kind of sense of community to appear in the comments where people get to know each other, they talk, they make good points and stuff like that. If newcomers come in, and they see this madness and insanity going on in the comments, they'll be like, all right, I'm out of here. I don't want nothing to do with this. People are insane here. And so I think it's conducive to the people who are, who don't like that the bit shoots of this world are around. What do you make of the comments, Mark? <laughs> I've got to say, the comments on bit shoot can sometimes be... Uh, I'm being very polite here. We talked about this before, <laughs> before the show, but they can sometimes be... Um, to put it politely, a bit of a disaster. The problem is the comments can't be moderated by the channel owner. And that leads to a variety of problems. And the worst of the problems for me is the spammer. The spammer is someone who has one copy and paste, very long response, which he copies and pastes to every genuine um, commenter. And that ruins the comment section. And because of that, you end up with a comment section that is just full of complete and utter madness. And if there's one thing that bits you, well, bits you need to get streaming, and they also need to allow channel 
owners to moderate the comments. It shouldn't just be yeah. comments or no comments. There should be just a moderated comment section. Yeah. And look, yeah. I have lots of comments on YouTube that are critical of me. I get people every time I upload a YouTube video saying my mic's crap. I always get somebody saying I sound like I'm in a tin can. I always get somebody saying that I speak too slowly or I use words that are too big. Uh, there's always somebody who leaves a sniding, snidey comment on the video and I just leave it. I let it lie. It's fine. But when you get people spamming 200 comments or a comment you know, as a reply to every comment that's already there, you do have to take action and just say, look, you're basically ruining my comment section. There are people here trying to contribute. If you've got a point to make, fine, make it, but you're not spamming the same comment 200 times. And YouTube does allow you to deal with that and BitChute should as well. Part of the reason YouTube grew as it did is because of the comments. I love watching a variety of different content. I like watching stuff about uh, old uh, mafia films. And I love reading the comments under the videos and seeing what people say, seeing people's opinions. And reading those opinions and interacting with other people is part of the fun of the platform. Now, if every comment had a 300 word mini essay posted underneath it about something irrelevant or spam or phishing or some rubbish like that, using the platform wouldn't be as good. And it is something that detracts from BitChute. BitChute is an amazing platform, but it just needs to uh, uh, allow a few extra small tweaks and the community there would flourish if it did that. Indeed. It's basically like a tree. Sometimes you have to prune the, uh, the branches that aren't doing the right things so that the branches that are flowering and flourishing can be allowed to do so. Yeah, no, no, it's true. Now, but it's like, oh, my free speech, you know, people can argue because you, you know, stopped comments or banned someone or something for the reasons that we mentioned and talked about. And it's like, well, I mean, you, you can't just go in into a space which is someone else's, which is what, I, you know, my, our channels are our channels. And you have someone just coming in and just rubbing their shit all over the place and like, you know, flinging turds. And it's like, okay, well, after a while, that's kind of not courteous. You, you, you wouldn't accept that if we did that to your space. You know what I mean? So that's not that's not free speech. That's just sabotage, antagonism, and shit like that. But um, all right, let me do a couple more of these here. Flying Dutchman with a Ninja Guinea. Uh, thank you uh, for the support today. Flying Dutchman, I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, he says, Marxism is the personification of all things degenerate. You are not wrong, Flying Dutchman. Thank you for that, Ninja Guinea. Magnus von Tula with the diamond says, Got uh, good bless friends. Uh, the same to you, sir. Thank you so much for your support. God bless you as well. William Shear with a diamond. Uh, as Henrik said, this is insane. Well, there you go. Uh, thank you. Piss, Pissy Leaks Pete. Great username. Uh, with a diamond says, Gypsy Crusader might be right. Day of the Rope is coming. Gypsy Crusader. I think I've seen that somewhere. Uh, Magnus Vontula. Thank you for the diamond. Uh, Magnus Vontula with a diamond says, there's no hope. Yeah, a lot of hope, Magnus. A lot of hope, uh, actually. We, we're... The very fact that the establishment is pushing back as hard as they are tells us a lot. It's a big giveaway. They're taking major risks by doing what Mark said before, which is to not boil the frog slowly, but to push fa fast, very fast, which, of course, is contributing to waking up our people. This is a sign that, that they're, they're trying to have certain things done and in place before, they're, in their view, the window closed. That's what I think it is. If we were allowed well, to continue... Yeah, jump in there, Mark. I just got to say, this, people who say this really annoy me. So sorry to jump in here, but no, that's no, fine. If we were irrelevant, if there was no hope, if we were just some 
uh, a couple of talking heads in a tiny playpen filled with a couple of hundred malcontents and misfits that had no chance of influencing society or getting anywhere, they wouldn't be closing our bank accounts. In fact, they would let us have YouTube channels just so people could come and laugh at us occasionally yeah, that's right. and, you know, throw the... Um, Throw the throw a tomato at us, uh, throw a few rotten eggs at us, laugh and walk off as if we were village idiots. Yeah, they're closing our YouTube accounts, they're closing our Twitter accounts, they're closing our bank accounts. They are stopping us from traveling to other countries. They are locking us down in any way they can. They are oppressing us with all their might. We had a young lad, just sixteen years old, arrested for putting out a leaflet. I saw that is um, insane. A month back. Yeah. They're not doing this because we're not having an impact. They're not doing this because people were getting that leaflet, laughing at it and saying, you know what, that won't have any effect. They're doing this because they know we have massive potential. And people who come here and say there is no way of winning, people who come here and say we've already lost, those people, in my opinion, are either working for the other side and they're trying to demoralize us by stripping away any form of genuine hope, or they are people who have been so demoralized by our enemies that their actions now work against us, despite those people still probably having the best intentions. And I don't, the by the way, is, I don't think that's what uh, Magnus Antula meant when he asked that, but uh, yeah, and I don't think he perceives it that way. But anyway, continue. Well, I hope not. I hope not, because the fact is, we're not getting all of this. I mean, look, Laura Towler has been through hell just trying to sell people tea. Uh, I know. Look <laughs> at the struggle she <laughs> went through yeah. just to sell people tea. If they didn't think we were a threat, they'd have just said, let her just run a little tea company. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. They didn't. They did everything in their power to squash her and prevent her selling tea bags to people. They are absolutely terrified of us. They are terrified of us because we speak the truth. They are terrified of us because the public are warming to our message and waking up. And they're terrified of us because we are organized, we are capable, we have a plan of action, and we are starting to infiltrate and subvert the mainstream. We did that on YouTube and we became the mainstream. We became the channels with millions of views. We became the Twitter accounts that were being seen by millions of people. I was retweeted by Donald Trump Jr. That is not a fringe. Uh, that's not the, that's not somebody who's fringe. That's not somebody who can just be written off. They got rid of me, not because I am a nobody who wasn't reaching anyone, but quite the opposite, because I was reaching tens of millions of people a month and more and more people were following me, despite the fact I was shadow banned. And that's another thing that we haven't even talked about. Yeah, that's Before true. they even banned us, they shadow banned us and many of us overcame the shadow bans and still kept growing. That tells you just how much potential we've got. And that tells us just how scared they are and why they should be scared. We're doing great work and there's every chance we can affect the future. There's every chance we can come out of this, the victors, but we have to keep faith. One of the worst things we can do is let people in our ranks start spreading the misinformation that we've already lost. We've not lost by a long way. 
indeed, very well said. Uh, Bluton Biden with an Injigini. Thank you for that, sir. Says, if Trump wanted to annoy the deep state, he would pardon Assange and Snowden, but he won't. Now, I've heard, I'm showing you one of the stories here from Evening Standard, that he was, at least there is rumors internally that's been kind of, you know, going around a little bit that he's he has uh, contemplated uh, pardoning Julian Assange. I think that would be fantastic. I think that would be very great. I'm a little bit more suspicious for some reason of Snowden, although, again, he's been a net positive by exposing a lot of stuff. I think Assange is more, you know, if there's some questions about uh, Snowden, Assange is, is more kind of genuine in that way. But uh, there was that fake uh, rape charge in Sweden that eventually was dropped, and now it's a matter of whether um, the Britain will extradite him to the U.S. Do, do you remember, Mark, the outcomes of the... There was a hearing, so I think, a couple of... Was it a couple of months back now? What the outcome of that actually was? Have you been following it? I haven't, so sorry. I can't really I can't really comment on that. But I think if Trump... Uh, the one thing I can comment on is if Trump did pardon him, that would be massive. That would send reverberations through um, the political elite all over the world. It would be... That would be fantastic. Because... Yeah. Let's face it, at this point in time, it might be one of Trump's only avenues to work with people like Julian Assange to actually expose what did happen yeah. during that election. Yeah, it, and as some people said, uh, declassify everything. Hit them where it hurts. If you're going to go out by a fraudulent election, the gloves are off. Anything goes. Do what maximize the pain that you possibly can inflict. Look, he's a he's an old guy. Would they try to kill him or say, sure, whatever? He might be banned after on Twitter after he loses his special protection that he has as a politician, as a world leader, and stuff like that. I'm sure they will try to silence him. Who knows what happens? Uh, unless you know he he does pull this off somehow. Still, I'm again, I'm I'm doubting that now. The window's closing very very fast on that, but. Uh, he could start a media company. That's the rumors of really, you know, uh, making some damage uh, on the establishment and stuff like that. And would it, would it be a place where we get the whole truth and nothing but the truth? No. Would it be where we get, you know, where the whole deal is is unraveled and unveiled for us? No. But it's a good it's a good step. It's a good first step. And that's kind of individuals that we need to work with. And that audience is good. They're they're ripe. They understand that there's a larger agenda at play. That's fantastic. That's millions of people, which, which you know, as you said before, Mark, the, the media has lost credibility like, completely under the Trump presidency. And that's fantastic because they deserve this. This is what they always have done, of course, but they just couldn't contain themselves. And it's been exposed to such a degree under Trump because they just couldn't shut up about it. They just couldn't stop lying. Uh, and that's again, that's a net positive. And it shows why we need alternative media so badly, which goes back to the point that kind of been the main theme here, here today, which is why they want to shut us up. If the propaganda, if, if it was hopeless, the propaganda would be unnecessary, you know? Completely. I, I agree with everything you've just said there. I think that if Trump does start a media company, though, will it be the whole truth? It certainly won't. Um, I think anyone who thinks it would be the whole truth would is, is kidding themselves especially if they're um an ethno-nationalist like we are but again it would be another powerful step in the right direction and i do believe trump has been a huge gateway to this movement and again that is something we should be very very thankful for the fact that trump has sent uh 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people our way and got people on the path to talking about race, ethnicity and demo and demography. That is something we should be very, very thankful for. That is something that is uh, a real, real bonus for us. But what he does after this election, I'm not 100 percent sure. I think the rumours of a media company, I don't I don't know. I think if he if he loses or if uh, if Biden is sworn in, he didn't lose the election. He won the election. But if Biden is sworn in, I think he would probably I think his initial thing would probably be to take some time out. I think he obviously obviously it'd be very, very bruising for him. And he is a man that uh, has quite a big ego. So I think that would be something that would leave him um, sitting sore for a little while before he decided mm -hmm. what to do. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, all right, let me do uh, the last of these here real fast. And uh, Robin, won, uh, Robin of Sherwood with a diamond. Go forth and multiply. Indeed, sir. Good message. Good wholesome message. Uh, one we always can endorse. Uh, White Rabbit Radio is hosting. Thank you for that, Tim. Good to see you. Uh, Robin of Sherwood again with the diamond says, Boris is a remainer in disguise. Yeah, it kind of seems like it, doesn't it? It's it's interesting how they just flip these, these characters. Virginian Drifter with the diamond. I appreciate BitChute, but it needs a ton of work. It does, and give them uh, give them time. Again, I mean, the YouTubes were horrible in the beginning, uh, and, and so they're getting there. They have improved, and the service is getting better all the time. We're very lucky to have them. And a lot of things are hinging. I mean, a, there's a lot of powerful people and, and groups out there that would love to destroy uh, something like uh, the BitChute. It's, it's, it's amazing that they're here, even with everything that's going on, frankly. Uh, Lord Aragon with the diamond. Here's another diamond. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Magnus von Tula again says, thank you. Uh, and then he followed up and said, sorry for the uh, black pill provocation question. No, no, it wasn't perceived like that. Maybe I read it wrong. I, I totally get what you were saying, uh, Magnus. Uh, basically like, hey, what, you know, is there hope? What do we do? How do we turn this around kind of thing? Uh, so th those are all good questions. Thank you, Magnus. And the last one here from uh, Colin, Colin Court, Cowling Court, uh, with the diamond says, pardon every U.S. prisoner, send it to inauguration. Well, there you go. Uh, Mark, we're going to wrap up in a little bit here. Is there anything else you want to say about the activism regarding patri patri patriotic alternatives? Sorry, I'm stumbling on my words here. Um, towards the end here of the show, I know that, you know, that there's a lot of stuff that you've done here the last year since we last had you back on the show, you know, that you've accomplished and you might have been able to squeeze in uh, to a few minutes, but give us a little bit of an overview have things been growing? Are you getting more members? Uh, wh what are you looking forward to in the future with the uh, PA? Well, we've had a we had a brilliant start to the year. Twenty twenty got to the perfect start. I mean, we were we were living under this looming shadow of COVID, and we still had nearly two hundred people at a conference. It was phenomenal. It's one of the biggest and best conferences I've ever been to. Certainly in Britain, absolutely brilliant. The feeling after that was one of uh, complete and utter hope from from people. People were saying it's the best event they've ever been to. I was so proud to be a part of that. But sadly, later in the year, we have been hamstrung by the COVID restrictions. We obviously did the big projection onto the White Cliffs of Dover that said migrants not welcome. We uh, have done another, we've done numerous days of action. We did the Indigenous Peoples Day where people all over the world um, put up White Lives Matter banners. We've done tons of stuff despite the lockdown, but it has been disappointing in the fact that we haven't been able to help any more conferences. We haven't been able to hold big meetings or rallies. And those are, you know, tentpole events for our organisation. But we 
been bringing out new leaflets on a regular basis. We have had local events. We have had outdoor events, and we will continue to do that. Things are growing very, very quickly to the point it's actually hard to keep up with everything. I mean, I'm up usually at 6 a.m. every day answering emails, and now it's pushing 11 o'clock at night, and I'm still on a stream. We are working tirelessly day in, day out for the people of the UK, but also for European people all over the world, because we all we all face the same uh, the same problems. Yeah. And PA is going to go from strength to strength. And at the moment, it does feel slightly frustrating with the COVID lockdown. But just bear with us, because as soon as we um, get past this, as soon as we can hold events again, we will be holding some very very large events. We've got some great ideas for next year. I'm doing a special stream with Laura tomorrow night, 7 p.m. UK time. You can come and ask loads of questions. We'll talk a bit about things we've got planned. It's going to be a great show. But I just want to say massive thank you for having me on here tonight. It's been a wonderful show. Always love coming on with you, and I hope you and your family have an absolutely wonderful Christmas. And it's great to see that Red Ice has gone from strength to strength over here on DLive and on alternative platforms. You really are uh, setting the bar very high for us all. It's fantastic. And your production value is absolutely brilliant. The quality of the show, as always, brilliant. And it's wonderful to see such an amazing audience have followed you all the way over here. And your work is just, well, it's phenomenal. It's great to see that you're still putting out this much content and these people haven't managed to beat you down in any way. You know, brilliant. Oh, well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for the kind words. And, and of course, likewise, keep up the good work. You're doing fantastic work uh, with PA. Is there something you want to say quickly about? I guess everything is on the website. If people want to uh, help you guys out, if they want to uh, join, I don't know what the uh, if, if anybody can you know become a member of the party or how that works. But just give us a little bit of that contact details real quick and anything else you want to plug here right at the end, Mark. Uh, just you can go sign up you get our newsletters you get invited to conferences you get invited to events go and sign up on the pa website um also please do follow me on telegram if you're not already following me that's a massive massive help that's the best way to keep in touch with me please do follow laura towler on twitter follow our official twitter account and also if you can subscribe to me on bitshoot that would be a huge help too we've got a number of things in the pipeline for next year Please, please do make sure you join us tomorrow night at 7 p.m. UK time. It's going to be a two-hour stream. It'll be very, very good. It's myself and Laura. We've got loads of things planned. But, yeah, do go and sign up on the website. That's a major help, and it allows us to stay in touch with you. Fantastic. Mark, keep up the excellent work. They're targeting you for a reason. You're being you're very effectful. Uh, you're an excellent communicator getting the message out. A lot of people are attracted to your message for that reason. Uh, you know, uh, people are beginning to see, they're opening their eyes, and people fear that. That's the fact. The establishment fear that, and that's why they're targeting not only people like us, but but like you as well. So, Mark, please keep up the good work. It's uh, excellent to see you here again, and of course, uh, very Merry Christmas to you uh, and your loved ones as well, Mark. Thank you so much, and hopefully I'll see you again soon. We will. Awesome, sir. Thank you so much. See you soon. All right, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That's Mark Collett. Uh, very glad to have him back on the show, of course. Uh, just want to do take care of a couple of items here, and then we'll round off the stream. Thank you to everyone joining us uh, today. Appreciate it, and uh, as it was good to have you here, ladies and gents. We are going to be back tomorrow, of course, 5 p.m. Eastern. That's 11 p.m. Central European time for Flashback Friday. will be uh, one of the last ones that we do, and then we'll take a little bit of a holiday break, a Christmas break, uh, Christmas, New Year's into January. Not sure how long yet depends on how things pan out and stuff like that we'll have more information for you on that as we go but um, 
There will be a last thing, uh, by the way, before that too, um, which is the Monday night. It's the 21st of December, which of course, uh, as uh, the initiated know, so to speak, it's the winter solstice. Uh, so the Red Ice Yule Stream has been an annual event. I think the last, uh, I think at least a f- three year, four years, I think it is. Um, so we'll do that as usual, Monday, twenty first of December, and we're actually going to turn that into kind of a little bit of a, of a, uh, of a, of a drive as well for Red Ice. We actually want to try to get some people resubscribed back into our member site as uh, again as well on top of that. Uh, because of the fact that we lost uh, payment processors recently here. We lost all the recurring subscriptions and stuff like that. And we do have a couple of methods now where people can join in and they should take that opportunity now while we still have it. That's very important to us. So part of the uh, of the uh, event Monday night, our Red Eyes Yule stream, will kind of do, be to do a, a you know, res- resubscribe drive, uh, you know, and support Red Eyes. Uh, step up to the plate, help us out. Ensure that you can get back into the member section right now when we do have some methods and options for you guys before those close as well, right? So that's going to be very important. Uh, but yeah, we have a long list of guests lined up. I'll uh, tweet out some more information about that and put it up on Telegram too, probably on our Gab as well, uh, about who's coming on and stuff like that. We'll do some of the graphics for it. It's going to be a long night. We'll start at, I think we'll start either at 3.30 p.m. Eastern or maybe 4 p.m. Eastern, depends on how many from Europe are jumping in last minute. Actually, Mark is going to join as well on Monday. I forgot to mention that, but we'll do it kind of in like in 10-minute segments, if you will. So a lot of guests, uh, a lot of good people are going to join in. Uh, Boys and girls, let's let's open up the chest on DLive. Let's do that first, and then we'll see how that goes. Uh, And what else? What else is there? Well, I mean, check out the members' website, folks. Uh, Great way of supporting Red Ice. It is 30 Bucks for three month subscriptions. That the short. That's the shortest uh, that you uh, can do. Um, if you want longer, of course, we have six months, we have nine months, we have one year, and we have two years. And the longer subscription you get, the cheaper it gets per month. I, I got to do the math on that. But if you do a two year one, I think it's down to something like six bucks uh, a month or something like that. But uh, te- check it out, test it, try it out. If you haven't been a member before. Get in there, redicemembers.com, set up an account, try it out for three months, see what you think. We do exclusive content just for members. It's a great way of supporting us as well. Um, and of course, we do a lot of exclusive videos, not only a Weekend Warrior, but other things. The second hour of many of our uh, interviews are up there for members as well. We're doing some redesign stuff on the members' website as well. So we're, we're improving that significantly. Comments is in the works, a chat to the live stream feature that we have gonna probably see if we can do something like maybe playlists or that you can save videos and stuff like that that you're interested in uh you know for later so it's well worth um you know your time to get over to, to redicemembers.com because we have a lot of good stuff for you guys there if you love red eyes you'll absolutely love red eyes members okay folks um top five on uh, d live history and truth is number one car of cocky number two mr ninjaberg which is uh mr uh, mr newsberg uh, former username uh spike vicious number four and then finally, Magnus von Thule, number five. Thank you to you guys, and thank you to everyone else who has joined us here today as well. I really appreciate the support, everybody. We can't do this without you. That's why uh, it's so important that you help us out in this time as well as we're being um, unfairly, I guess to be charitable, unfairly targeted uh, by just insane activism to try to shut down uh, Red Ice and what we've managed to build here really on a shoestring uh, budget when it comes to production when uh, it comes to how we you know pull things together and stuff like that and we we're not we're not happy with what we have we we we're not we don't want to settle for this we want to do more we want to bring you guys more shows we want to bring more contributors on 
we want to employ people so that uh, I can focus more on actually producing content and not doing editing and, and these kinds of things, right? So that's another reason and incentive for why you should uh, head on over to redashmembers.com and sign up for a membership. All right, boys and girls, thank you so much again for joining us. Really appreciate it. A couple more diamonds that came in here. Let me take those real uh, quick. Um, the West of Great with the diamond, no message. Thank you. Magnus on Tool again with the diamond also says thank you. Thank you, Magnus. Really appreciate it. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's it. We'll see you guys tomorrow then. Flashback Friday. Lana will be back in the studio with us then. And then, of course, uh, Weekend Warrior on Sunday. And then we have the great uh, Red Ice Yule stream, our resubscribe drive coming up Monday. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. So definitely don't miss that. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Keep fighting. And we'll see you guys soon. love red eyes want more get access to exclusive material by signing up for a red ice membership you'll be able to watch weekend warrior our flagship show the second hour of interviews and other special feature videos only for subscribers were you a member and we lost you along the way renew we love and appreciate you guys and gals and cannot do this without you help us be a sane voice a lighthouse in the sea of insanity as times get tougher as people are searching for answers they're going to need content like red ice a little of all your support can go a long way thank you